Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. It is Friday, and that means it's time to end the week in style with our VSO segment by bringing my brothers from the Veterans of Foreign War into the studio. Full disclosure, I am, in fact, a member of the VFW, joining Post 1469 in Huntington, New York. I guess it was 2012 or so that I did that. Maybe 2013. I don't really remember. I'm getting old and my mind is feeble and my memory is the first thing to go. But I do know that we are joined right now by Legislative Director Carlos Fuentes and Veteran Service Director Ryan Gallucci. And we're going to talk about what the VFW's priorities are looking forward for 2018. So, Ryan, Carlos, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, thanks for having us. Great to be back and uh, great to talk about an uh, important topic to us in the veterans community. Let's do a very brief introduction of the two of you since, uh, you know, we know a little bit about your backgrounds. And, of course, the VFW has a lot of information about their personnel at the headquarters out there. But, Ryan, what's your background? Where'd you serve? What'd you do? When were you in? Uh, Well, so I I was in the Army Reserve from 1999 to 2007. Civil Affairs uh, deployed to Iraq in 2003. And... uh, well, the rest is pretty much history. I found a, a, an opportunity to advocate for veterans and have been uh, with the VFW for about seven years now. Uh, yeah, and doing great things over there. We've had Ryan on the show a couple times before talking about some of the various services that they offer to veterans. And we're going to talk more about those services and how they apply in 2018. Very similar to how they've applied to previous years, but there's going to be some new and better and improved things going on. And Carlos, same question for you. Where are you from? When did you serve? What did you do? Tell the people. I'm one of those rare locals, so I uh, grew up here in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, joined the Marine Corps and uh, served six years as a civil affairs uh, assistant, and uh, you know served in Afghanistan in 2009. Uh, when I got back, you know I saw the benefits of the GI Bill and uh, had a couple buddies who were on veterans advocate advocacy, so I decided to, you know, that's a good it's a good career path, mm. and uh, found the VFW and. Learn a lot, a lot about what they do, and 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 join. So now I'm very uh, proud to be the legislative director for the VFW. And legislation is a huge part of what the VFW does. And as we've talked about before, to many civilians and even some veterans and military members, the VFW is kind of pictured as, oh yeah, those guys in the parades with the little hats on, and you know some older guys wearing their old uniforms and stuff like that. It is so much more than that. It is a a conglomeration of soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen working together to help not only the community of veterans who served in foreign wars like the three of us, but also the veteran community at large. The VFW is doing amazing things for the veteran community. And let's talk about 2018 and some of the stuff that's coming up, which is, I think, topped off, obviously, to most people, although to some it may not be obvious, money. Budgets, getting mm-hmm. DOD and VA programs that need to be funded, funded. I mean, we can talk about things like TRICARE, we can talk about things like CHOICE, but tell me what the VFW is talking about as far as budget for the DOD and VA in 2018 and what you guys want to see. Eric, you're absolutely right. The VFW, our motto is no one does more for veterans, and we have an array of benefits that are available to not only just our members, but also all veterans. 
who need assistance in terms of uh, you know uh, education and 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 really keeping the lights on. Uh, what I do day to day, and I'm very proud of it, is is to ensure that Congress prioritizes veterans. And mm. something that is is lost in the discussion of of the budget is how uh, sequestration and 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 frankly uh, CRs and 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 the budget caps impact veterans and, yeah. and, and service members. Our national commander in chief, Keith Harmon, has traveled throughout the world and visited troops in Europe and Asia and, and here in the States as well and has seen firsthand how, you know, the lack of, 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 of sufficient DOD budget means that quarterly, quarterly, of, quarterly of life programs for service members are the first to go, right? You, mm-hmm. You've heard news stories about daycare and, and school oh, yeah. and, and things like that. So we have members who are uh, service members, but also it's part of our goal to make sure that uh, those in uniform can focus on the, on, on the fight, right, on the task on hand, and not whether their children will be able to, you know, go to daycare or... Whether you're you going to have to pay for it separately. And having exactly. having a, my son turns five today, by the way. Happy birthday, Decker. Congratulations. Um, he, yeah, he, we, <laughs> we, we allowed him to survive until five. That is our biggest accomplishment <laughs> so far. Um, I can tell you, child care is expensive, man. That's, that's one of my biggest costs. I mean, I'm paying... I don't even want to tell you how much money, but I'm paying a lot of money because he hasn't started in kindergarten yet. Um, and I'm making a little bit more money than I made when I was in the military. So when you're in the military, if you don't have that provided to you, that's an extra cost that COLA is not going to cover, I can tell you. And unless they have some other program to pay for it, what are you going to do, man? That's and, a bad situation. And, and pay raises for service members have been traditionally lower than in the civilian sector. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're lucky enough to really push for a higher uh, raise in this NDAA that passed this last year. So it's a 2.5 raise it's a, that service members are going to be receiving here soon, uh, which is great, but you're absolutely right. You know, there's a lot of demand on, yeah. on those, you know, finite resources that veterans receive, but uh, a service members receive. And, 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 and to, the, to the veterans component, you know, uh, what these caps do and, and sequestration, it's very complex, but and, and overall what, what it comes down to is it limits how much uh, resources VA is able to receive, Right. right? So you have a lot of these excellent programs that have been initiated and continue. Some are still being debated, like the Choice Program, that costs a lot of money. The executive order that the president signed uh, yesterday is going to cost some money as well. The thing is, all these resources, all these demands on VA require resources, and unfortunately, we've seen independent reviews that show that the uh, resources VA has been given has not been keeping pace with the demand on its services like healthcare. That's why you see issues with veterans waiting too long for care mm. um, and and other benefits that Congress has created or the administration has created. And frankly, the resources haven't really come come with them right. um, when discussing budget budgets and and, and continuing resolutions and budget caps. We make sure that Congress understands the impact on veterans. And uh, when you're having these discussions on where these caps should be, we will make sure that veteran voices are heard. 
We're speaking with Carlos Fuentes, National Legislative Director, and Ryan Gallucci, National Veterans Service Director from the Veterans of Forum Wars. And gentlemen, when we talk about the budget, one thing that comes to mind from shortly after we started up here at Connecting Vets, a big story where the VFW, along with just about every other VSO that I can think of joined together, is when there was talk of essentially shutting down or limiting individual unemployability Mm -hmm. uh, benefits to pay for other veteran benefits. Essentially, as the old saying goes, robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's something that, as I understand it, the VFW is not okay with, right? And you guys are fighting to make sure that one veteran doesn't get, you know, to be honest, screwed over so that another veteran can have a benefit. Well, exactly. And this is where what Carlos is talking about becomes so important. It may sound... It may sound confusing to to uh, the average listener sitting at home thinking, oh, sequestration, continuing resolutions. These are words that mean a lot to, to Carlos and, and, and mean a lot to me uh, because we live this every day. But the impact is in the program delivery to veterans. That's where veterans will see uh, the effects of arbitrary budget caps and things like that. Uh, the individual unemployability proposal was really just uh, – it's hard to call it anything other than a, a terrible, horrible, uh, arbitrary, capricious. Uh, think think of a bad word, and uh, it would really apply to uh, to that proposal to to generate more uh, funding for veterans programs. But this is something the VFW has consistently said: taking care of our veterans is a cost of war. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we've invested in protecting our nation, but part of protecting our nation is investing in the men and women who are willing to volunteer to do it. And it, it, being in the military is an incredibly dangerous job. We all know that firsthand. Our, our, your listeners know that firsthand. And, you know, if people are going to continue to volunteer to serve in the military, you need to make sure that we're taking care of the service member, their families, and, and then the veterans once they decide to take the uniform off. It, it's really there's no other option as we see it. Another interesting highlight there in the uh, the budgetary concerns that I noted while looking through the VFW's 2018 goals is ensuring that the POW MIA accounting mission is fully funded. And that's one that we've been able to talk about here on the show where just in the last six months, there have been several finds of World War II missing in action aircraft that went down in a glacier. And then the glacier finally melted a little bit and out comes the, uh, the aircraft with some of the crew members on there. Of course, we still have... Um, of people missing from Vietnam, but I think that the issue that people don't understand until they look into it is that the Vietnam veterans are, are very focused on their POW MIA, which is certainly a serious issue. It's really the most recent conflict where we have a substantial number of POW MIA. But looking back at World War II, there are like 70,000 missing in action still from World War II, and they're finding them. And this, this, it was the world war. It was a global conflict. How important do you think it is to make sure that despite the fact that there are fewer and fewer World War II veterans left and on the rolls in the VFW and other organizations, that we keep going out there and looking for those 70,000 plus of our brothers and sisters in arms who, you know, gave their lives and we, but haven't been brought home yet. How important is that? It's, it's, it's vitally important to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's part of our motto to never forget. You know, we can't leave uh, our brothers and sisters behind. Um, and, and frankly, the urgency here is, uh, especially when it comes to World War II, the, the folks who have seen where, uh, you know, accidents occurred or, or where there could be unmarked graves are frankly dying out, right? Um, 
So we need to make sure that we can get to them, mm-hmm. uh, devote resources. We have visited uh, uh, dig sites throughout the world, and I'll be absolutely honest with you. It's, it's, it's very um, – it's great to see how dedicated these folks are right. to finding missions, uh, to, to finding uh, our, our uh, MIA uh, brothers and sisters, and 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 some of them even have like pictures on the walls to say that's the mission, that's who we're going. Right. We're going to return him to his family, yeah. and and it's and it's great to see him. It has a certainly has a huge impact on the families when when uh, they return home. Right. And, and the interesting thing we've learned over the years of engaging on this topic is that today's service members uh, it, it resonates with them as well. Uh, because it shows that, look, if I sacrifice for my country, my country's not going to forget about me, no matter what happens to me. I uh, had the opportunity to visit uh, DPAA out in uh, in Pearl Harbor a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and talk to some of uh, the uh, the folks responsible for identifying these veterans. They're, they're all younger. They believe in the mission. Right. And and basically, the leadership was saying, you know, we have no problem recruiting young service members and even college students, uh, ar- archaeologists, uh, to go out and participate in these digs. They, they understand why it's important, and it sends such a strong message to the American public about how we value our service members and that we're not going to leave right. them over there. Even though it was seven decades ago when we talk about World War II, and I know you'll know this, Carlos, they just found a group of Marines that were lost on Tarawa. I mean, this is amazing that we're still finding this stuff, but it is, and we've talked to DPAA about this uh, on the show, it's a race against time, particularly in those tropical areas where you know a, a human remains, as we've seen, can last for thousands of years in the right conditions. In the wrong conditions, they can be gone in, in the blink of an eye when you talk about uh, the... the when you take time into account and what it really is. 70 years, it's not that long, but the remains that were found were already severely uh, decomposed. And of course, we're talking with Carlos Fuentes and Ryan Gallucci, National Legislative Director and National Veteran Services Director of the VFW, respectively. Moving on to our next subject here, workforce development and accountability. That's about essentially the VA in particular hiring the right people and hiring the people that they need. There are a lot of vacancies at the VA right now that haven't been filled. What does the VFW think should be done about that? So that's something that we can continue to keep in mind as bills um, are being discussed on improving the VA healthcare system. One of their top priorities, of course, is to increase access, to improve access, and that can only be done through multiple ways. Uh, one, and importantly, what's more, what, what we continue to hear from our members is you need to hire more providers. You need to build more facilities. You need to have folks more available. Um, and, and that can only be done when you hire the right people and you're not going to hire the right people if you have them wait six months for an entry level job. Right. Mm. Um, but that said in the back end, you also have to hold them accountable. We are not going to accept, accept, uh, folks endangering the lives of veterans in this past year, one of the, uh, you know, a, a great victory was uh, um, accountability and, and, and whistleblower protection act, which uh, essentially gave uh, secretary of veterans affairs expedited authority to hold employees accountable. And we're going to keep an eye out on, on that bill and implementation to make sure that uh, it's being done correctly. And that these folks who continue to endanger the lives of veterans are fired or, or, or removed 
from those yeah. decisions and aren't allowed to continue to do that. So, And we've had some interesting cases like here in D.C. at the D.C. VA mm-hmm. Medical Center where uh, the gentleman in charge there was uh, let go and then brought back on uh, in between the time that the uh, Whistleblower Accountability Act came in and then was let go a second time, this time for good. And it kind of showed that while he was able to essentially use, I believe it was the union that got him back in there uh, under this new Whistleblower Protection and Accountability Act, he was gone. And of course, getting rid of the dead weight, that's one way that the VA is going to improve. Of course, hiring the right people to replace the dead weight, but that's only a part of the improvements that we need to see to healthcare, isn't it? There's a lot that needs to be done with the VA. Well, exactly. And make no mistakes, there are there are significant challenges that VA faces, and just because the demands on their resources is is so high. Uh, but what we hear from our members consistently, now we've done six surveys of more than 30,000 VFW members and other veterans over the since, I, I want to say, 2014. Uh, and what we hear consistently is that they believe in VA. When we ask the pointed question, would you recommend VA to your fellow veterans, 85% have consistently told us, yes, they believe in the system. And that's why we advocate for a, a a healthy, vibrant, responsible VA healthcare system that can lean on community partners when they should. We're not afraid of community care access. I mean, there are some misconceptions out there that you, well, just privatize VA, let veterans choose their own doctor. One of the things, though, is have, has anyone asked the private sector whether they can handle that? Yeah. Unequivocally, the answer is no. And they it's can a lot handle of people some. with a lot of issues. A- absolutely. But we need... We need to leverage every resource that we have available to us, which is why we've consistently said we need a a clear community care program that veterans understand and the VA understands. I mean, right now they don't understand their own authorities. (laughs) Uh, But beyond that, we need to invest in VA infrastructure because veterans have already told us, look, it's a benefit I've earned. And when we're talking about certain things like Gulf War syndrome, Agent Orange exposure, combat-related post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. VA is uniquely poised to handle that, and uh, so that's something that that we can't sacrifice, uh, but we need to make sure veterans have access to the care uh, that they've earned uh, when they need it and, and where they need to receive it. Carlos, one of the interesting things when talking about healthcare, I think, is uh, interesting because it addresses change that has happened in the VFW and other VSOs, but particularly the VFW over the years, wherein it used to be an almost entirely male organization because that's who was going off to war. That's who was going off to not only be on the front lines, but be the pogues, be the support people over there. It was all men. Women have gradually grown in size and importance as far as uh, the percentage of the military and the war fighting community that they make up, which means you have more female members eligible for the VFW now. Here's one thing that's interesting, though. The VA has, according to many people, been a little bit behind on adjusting to the number of female veterans that we have, particularly those who have deployed into war zones. What does the VFW think needs, needs to be done to address those concerns that, that our female veterans have? You're absolutely right, Eric. And, and, and frankly, you know, the VFW is a grassroots organization and we're, we're driven by what our members want us to advocate for and, and, and frankly do, right? And as you point out, there's a growing number of uh, women veterans who are members of the VFW, we have a committee of women veterans uh, who also help us uh, conduct uh, surveys and and and, and frankly uh, connect with our women veteran uh, members. And what they tell us is 
uh, frankly, VA uh, recognition is is a is an issue. You know, women veterans of the highest uh, or, or most rapid growing segment of the veterans population. So VA needs to be ready and able to care for them. But it doesn't help if they walk into the door and they ask, "Oh, so are you, who's who's the veteran? Where's where's your husband? Are you visiting your right? grandpa? Are you re- visiting your grandpa?" <laughs> uh, yep. it, but it, more than that, also uh, ensuring that services, uh, women specific services, are available to women, but also privacy. Right? Um, we are uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Kata Kelleher, has a, a really good relationship with uh, VA Center for Women Veterans and. You know, they've gone out and taken a look at different facilities and you have, frankly, you know, uh, women's clinics who have curtains as a privacy, right? Instead of actual uh, different facilities or or some don't even have curtains and you have uh, uh, women veterans, you know, having to discuss very private issues out in public and in front of males. And, you know, we we have to take care of that. We're going to continue to to monitor, but also hold uh, Congress accountable so that it gives VA the resources, but also the authority to do so. Here's the funny part, if I could jump in on the privacy issue as well, because uh, this is just something that's that's personal to me and my VA experience. I think since, uh, since uh, our, our female uh, comrades have been more vocal about this, it's even improved care overall for veterans. I remember one of the first times I went to VA, the privacy issue. I mean, I'm there. I'm talking about my healthcare issues as well. I don't want everybody walking by hearing about it. Yeah. Uh, so since uh, since uh, we've called this to their attention, it, it, it has improved in a lot of facilities, but uh, it's it's an issue that was, was raised by uh, female veterans going to VA for the first time, but I think it's affected the overall population and improved privacy in the hospital setting. And there is so much that has been improved on, but just because something's improved doesn't mean you stop. You keep going and you keep making it better and better and better. I mean, that's what our military is all about. If uh, the Marine Corps, to use Carlos as an example, stopped updating their tactics in you know 1917 during World War One, World War Two wouldn't have worked out so well for us in the Pacific Theater. If everybody was digging trenches on Tarawa, one they would have drowned because the water table. Well, I'm getting into all sorts yeah, of horseback, <laughs> and, uh, and we're good swimmers. All yeah, right. We'll make do. Good swimmers. The Marines are fantastic swimmers. That is certainly the truth. Now, we've only made a dent in the 2018 priority goals for the VFW uh, and talking about those. You know, if people are interested in finding out as we finish up here exactly what the VFW is looking at for 2018, where can they go to find out that information? I urge anyone and your listeners who are interested in finding out what we're doing on the Hill and advocating for veterans to subscribe to our Action Corps which is a, a, a grassroots network of, uh, of right now 300,000 uh, veterans and, and, and supporters uh, where we inform our members on what is going on on the Hill, any new benefits, new uh, initiatives, new programs, and changes to them. You can do so by going to vfw.org slash action core. Um, and to learn more about our advocacy efforts, you can go to vfw.org. Also go to vfw.org slash advocacy, and you'll see all the uh, all of our priorities and and um, some some of the victories that we've had in our over uh, century of of existence. We've been speaking with Marine Corps veteran Carlos Fuentes, legislative director for the VFW, and Army veteran Ryan Gallucci, national veteran services director for the VFW. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.